you're listening to The Kelly Track Show. I'm your host, Kelly Track, author, coach, and eternal optimist. Each week, I'll give you lessons to elevate your life, reclaim your personal power, and truly awaken and transform. Your best life starts right now. Hello, my friends. So in this episode today, we are going to talk about how to take huge, audacious, large, big tasks and complete them essentially. So going from something like an idea and something quite big and then actually executing it on a day-to-day basis. So I just handed in my book manuscript and from start to finish, this has been a about a one-year journey from me creating my uh, book proposal to getting an agent, to getting the deal, to writing it. Um, I started in January of 2020 and I just handed in my manuscript and it was due December 1st, 2020. So we're in year one of honestly, it's going to be another one more year of edits and it comes out in fall 2021. <laughs> so it's about, you know, a year and three quarters. Um, is that the right math? Yeah. Yeah. Three quarters. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm going to be sharing with you just some of my best tips and tricks on how to stay focused organized how to you know weather the storms when you absolutely hate your work and when you feel really frustrated so we're going to cover all that in today's episode but before we dive in I want to ask you if you know what your genius is so I am in case you didn't know the cat is kind of coming out of the bag because I haven't really talked about the book (laughs) much um the book is about how to find your genius and if you want a little sneak peek on figuring out your genius and what you are truly gifted at you can take my free quiz called what's your genius at kellytrack.com slash genius and once you take uh, a couple little 13 quick questions I'm going to give you a free five page report that breaks down your genius type what you could be selling based on your unique genius uh, how you could be monetizing that to earn 10k months in your current business or a soon-to-be business and I'm going to share with you some examples of people who've you know done it too Um, but you get this awesome really sweet and detailed free five page report when you take my free quiz called what's your genius at kellytrack.com slash genius that's kellytrack.com slash genius so so far i've had over 5,500 people figure out their genius from my quiz and it's a great place to start Uh, and the quiz is free i mean free who can say no to free Uh, so i hope you enjoy it i hope you like it and let me know your results if you get if you get your results uh come send me a dm on instagram i'd love to know what genius type you are so that's kellytrack.com slash genius all right let's go to the show All right, let's talk about how to take huge projects and tasks and break them down. So as I was sharing at the top of the episode, I just handed in my book manuscript. Um, So for the last four months, I've been working on this pretty much almost every day. I've been taking weekends off, but pretty much every day, uh, typing and writing out this book. So I had a four month deadline and authors kind of get different deadlines depending on when their book is due, what publisher they're working with. Some authors can be writing a book for two years. Um, my book was due in four months. I don't know if that's short or long, but it was actually great because I don't want to, I don't want to sit with a project way too long. Like if I had a year to write this book, oh my goodness, I could, I would be really worried about it for a year. You know what I mean? So the shorter deadline, was actually great. And I, I love, I love a good short deadline, but in this episode, I want to share with you some ways in which you can be breaking down very large projects into something tangible and ways in which you don't feel like you are getting sucked down the drain of like the beast of overwhelm and it, like, it's going to eat you alive. Cause I totally know that feeling, you know, when you're having days, I know for me, I had days when I was writing my book and I was like, 
oh my God, this is so bad. Like I have to write this whole thing. And it's like, it's so bad. <laughs> or like this chapter is just really not coming to together. Like how do people do it? So I want to share with you some tips. I'm kind of just going off the top of my head. So there isn't exactly this strategic order I'm going to give them to you in, but I'm just going to start sharing with kind of the, the, my biggest tips down to sort of my more smaller tips. So my very best tip for you right out of the gate, tip number one is to really task it down and don't worry about the next step until it happens. So I know for me, I, I, I have a bad habit of starting to think ahead. Like I'll be working on something and then I'm like, Oh shit. Well in a month I got to work on X and you know, let's worry about X right now. I don't know if you get like that too, but that's where my mind goes. So when you have a big project, really think about what am I doing right now in this moment? And if that next step isn't happening right now, like I'm just going to put that on pause. So in terms of my book, I kind of knew going into this year that, you know, I'd spend, you know, January working on my book proposal. And then I would spend some time trying to find agents and pitching agents. Um, and then I would get hopefully a deal and then I would write the book. Right. So there was that sort of that four parts. So every single time I caught myself being in a stage where, for example, I would be in the middle of pitching agents and then I'd be worried about like, oh my God, am I going to have enough time to write this book? I would be like, well, Kelly, you don't really have a book deal right now. So there's no book to write. So you can't really worry about that. And I would just focus on pitching agents. So when you have a really large project, I would encourage you to think about, you know, how can I chunk this down and only worry and focus on the, the stage that I'm in right now. So if you're making an online course, the first thing you want to do is, you know, brainstorm what you're going to put into that course. And, you know, you don't want to be worrying about marketing and how you're going to launch this course. You want to focus on getting the content down for the course, right? So whenever your mind wants to go and trail off and worry about the next 100 things, that practice of coming back to the present moment and being like, this is the stage we're in. And I know for me, when I was working on this book, my mind was really thinking about marketing, which is, you know, another stage down the road of this book. Um... And it was really easy to start going off into like, oh my God, how am I going to, you know, market this? Like, let me get together like a plan, a solution, a timeline. Like, like I need to get the, like my Google calendar out and organize this thing. And I had to be like, Kelly, we cannot market a book unless you have written a book. <laughs> and sometimes it really helps to break it down like that for our minds. Really think about that. You know, if you don't finish your course curriculum, there is no course for you to market. So focus on the stage you're in and don't worry about the next step. I know it's tempting, but that's my very first tip for you. Break it down into chunks and only focus on the phase you're in. So the second tip I want to give you is to really batch it out and truly stay in the groove of what you're doing. One of my favorite ways to work is truly in batches. So I had cleared my whole schedule aside from um, private coaching calls um, and the mentorship. I had truly nothing in my calendars uh, at, at all um, because I had blocked off the four months to work on the book I know everybody's time situation is going to look really different. And I mean, I'm really lucky that I have my own business and I can carve out the time I need. Um, but even if you are just like working on something for one day during, you know, your Saturdays, for example, my, one of my best tips I can give you is to really batch when you're working on things and, and do as much as you can in one go. So maybe it looks like if you're building your website, spend the whole Saturday on it rather than one hour every single night. Because when you stay in the mental groove of something, it's just so much easier. So really look at your calendar and think, where can I find large pockets of time and how can I devote, you know, a single focus to this, this large chunk of time to sort of stay within this groove. I find this strategy to be really helpful because when I was pitching agents, I would literally have just, you know, a full day to send out 
you know, dozens of emails, right? Um, or when I was writing my book, it was just like a whole day to just work on the book. And it there wasn't really any action items other than work on the book, clean up chapter two or whatever, tweak the introduction, tweak the conclusion, PS, introduction and conclusion. Those two chapters took me some of the most because I don't know, starting and ending and putting it in together in a nice bow took me some time. But that would be just one of my biggest tips for you right off the bat is tip number two, batch and stay within the groove and don't be switching around. Don't be trying to do too many things at once. Um, I had to get sort of my sort of my shit together <laughs> to clear four months of space in my calendar. So this meant that going into book writing, I had batched all of my content for my membership called the mentorship, which is my subscription style business coaching program, um, which is currently on waitlist. And you can put your name on the waitlist at kellytrack.com slash mentorship to be notified when it opens up next in 2021. But I had to have all my content ready for the rest of the fall slash winter. So I had batched that all up and I finished it all in August and then I dripped it out to my members over time. But um, I knew I didn't have time to be trying to make content and write a book at the same time. So I got strategic with that. I worked on batching all the podcast episodes, the stuff you've been listening to. I had spent time in the summer recording all my episodes until the end of the year. Um, and I just did all my tasks and I tried to get stuff done knowing where you know, knowing where I had tasks coming up and I just tried to batch and do it so I could really give myself a solid runway of, of four months to work on something. So if you need a clear space in your schedule, maybe to make a course or to build out your website, I would really encourage you to think, you know, if you have lots of tasks you need to do or stuff that needs to happen, think, how could I batch and like do this efficiently and quickly and all at once? Or maybe it's like thinking about when you're buying groceries, even it's like, how could I be, you know, doing one big trip this week and getting everything I need for the, for the groceries for the whole week versus three trips that, you know, keep fragmenting up my time, really being smart about how you can batch in areas of your life to make these sort of larger, you know, spaces of time for you to do your, your to do your deep work. All right, so this goes into tip number four, and this is to truly know your golden hours. So I call this golden hours in my work. It's the times of the day when you are most productive and when you get your best ideas. Maybe for you, you work best at, you know, midnight to like 3 a.m. I know for me, I get my best time about like, you know, 10, 10 a.m. to like noon, 9 a.m. till noon. That's like my best time. So really know what time of the day you're most effective and devote that time to the project. And also know when you're not effective. So I know for me, with my natural, you know, biorhythms, 9 to 12, I'm really strong. 2 to about 4.35, I cannot think of anything good. <laughs> and this is so helpful for, for me to know. And, you know, from five o'clock to like, you know, nine o'clock, I can do another chunk of work. But that middle of the day, I know I'm really weak. So there would be times when I'd be sitting at my computer and thinking, oh my God, my writing is totally bad. This chapter is really lousy. I cannot get it together. And then I would look at the clock and I'd be like, oh, it's 2.30. No wonder right? I've left my golden hours, right? And I know I'm no longer that productive. And it really helped me because it's so easy for us to think, you know, oh my God, I'm not being super productive all the time. I need to make every second count. We literally can't make every second count because we're all human. So know your most productive hours, try to do work during then. When you know you're tired in the day, don't do the work, right? Just chill, take it easy, relax. I know for me, I really tried to go for a walk, make my lunch, you know, take my lunch at around, you know, two, one o'clock, two or whatever, um, go outside, chill, call a friend, you know, get on, get on a phone call, do something else, 
do something different, like even like smaller tasks in my business that still need to be done, like whatever, paying bills or moving around funds in my bank account or whatever. I would schedule those in the hours when I wasn't super productive, my non-golden hours. This is one of the biggest tips I can give to you when you have a large project. Know the hours you're productive and work during those hours. Know when you're not productive and don't be hard on yourself for not being productive 24 seven and just take that time off. So my fifth tip for you is that the magic is truly in the edits. You know, this is something I didn't realize until I had really created this book. You know, usually when I make stuff, especially courses and podcast episodes, I can do that pretty quickly and it's really easy for me because I've done it so many times, but a book, a book was kind of new, right? And I really wanted to do a good job with this. And writing is not my main thing. And I know that's going to sound funny because I just wrote a book, but like speaking is something I do lots and I, it's just easy for me and it's just a no, no big deal. But writing, aside from writing sales copy and emails and, you know, websites for clients or stuff for myself, um, or, you know, sales pages, promotional emails, you know, website copy, even when I write up the notes for the, for the podcast here, aside from that, I don't really write. So I always assumed that when I had read books that these authors just sort of wrote them and were like, excellent the first time. And I know for me, I did my first draft of my book extremely fast. I did it in 10 days, which is really fast. <laughs> and everybody was like, oh my God, that's so fast. The writing was like, not good. And I had to tweak it and tweak it and tweak it until it was awesome. So I had like hit my word count within 10 days, but the quality of the words were really bad. And it took me, you know, pretty much like three and a half months to edited it to a point where I was proud of it. And this is what I want to relay to you is that the magic is always in the edits with whatever you're doing. You're going to kind of maybe make the skeleton of your sales page. And when you go through it and read it five times, you're going to like tweak things, you know, change things, delete stuff, move pictures around, and it's finally going to look good at the end. This is one of the biggest lessons I can teach you is that everybody thinks it's bad right until the end. I truly had about, it was about two weeks till my, my deadline on my book. And I was like panicking. Cause I was like, this is not good. Some of these chapters are really rough. Like I don't even have a proper, proper conclusion. I don't even know what to say in the conclusion. <laughs> um, and I was like underneath my word count. Cause I had deleted a bunch of stuff that I thought was absolutely shitty. And I was like, where am I going to add these extra words? And I was really, really nervous. Cause like I have two weeks to get my shit together and only until mm, the last two, three days before my deadline, I was like, wow, this is really good. Like, I'm really happy with this. But most of it, like truly almost the whole four months, I was like, this is bad. This is bad. This is bad. This is bad. Right until the very end. And then I was like, hey, this is good. I like this. So just know that with anything that you're building, it's not really going to look good right until the end. And just be patient with yourself and be compassionate with yourself and be easy on yourself because nobody's creation looks good at square one. Um, my book was super rough and, you know, just, I would read it and I would think, <laughs> this is so bad. Actually, I wrote a lot of my book, um, at my parents' house and I talked to myself a lot and I just, I don't really realize, I didn't really realize that I did that so much, but, um, I would be talking up upstairs in my room to myself, reading, reading my book or just thinking about it. And my mom would be like, who are you talking to up there? Cause I'd be like, this is so bad. This is so terrible. Like I hate this. And she's like, who are you talking to? And I'm like, I'm talking to myself, but I just wanted to share that, that the magic is truly in the edits and it's only going to look good right at the end.
So my sixth tip for you is to be super diligent with your time. So I know for me, I took uh, a little experiment of taking two full weeks off Instagram. It was actually really funny because I was trying to update my bio and then all of a sudden Instagram locked me out and was like, um, I don't know, something like you tried to tweak your bio too many times uh, or your name and you've been put on freeze for, for two weeks or like you can't change your name for two weeks. And I was like, oh, well, this is not good. I just sort of took it as a sign to just get off Instagram for two full weeks because I had been in one of those cycles when I had been on Instagram way too much. And oh my God, it is really hard to make really good creative work when you are constantly taking in other people's stuff. And I spent the last um, month and a half entirely off Instagram. So I took, I did a little experience and took two full weeks off Instagram and then took all of November off Instagram so I could finish my book on time. It was awesome. And I didn't realize how much I take on when I scroll. And not that I intentionally do it, but I'm always, you know, seeing other people's stuff. And I found it to be really distracting, especially when I was trying to make my own original work in my own original voice. And I was having a hard time understanding and even hearing my own thoughts because I'd be like, oh, well, so-and-so does it like this, or I ha I saw so-and-so make this great post, and that's such a good point, and I should maybe include something about that, or that reminds me, I read that girl's post, and I could make, make a chapter on that, and it was all, like, distractions from, you know, the core truth of what I wanted to write in my book, so, you know, really being strict with your time and knowing, you know, the distractions and getting rid of those. Um, for me, that was a, a huge bit on social media, which is actually, that time off social media was truly some of my best time this whole year, um, in 2020. So I'm, I'm truly trying to think about my social media habits for 2021 and seeing how little I can be on Instagram because I want to make good stuff for you. And I, I really want it to come from me, you know, and this is what I want to pose to you as well. When you are making stuff, you know, your audience wants to hear it from you and it can be really easy to get distracted from what you're building and get confused and sort of listen to other people or start listening to a lot of podcasts and kind of get sucked into being like, oh, I should do it like this. I had a whole section in my notes on my iPhone when I started writing the book, writing down all these ideas, these additional ideas I had for the book based on things I heard in podcasts, stuff I saw on social media. And I already had a book proposal going into writing my book, right? So book proposal, it had my whole layout of all my chapters, a blurb for every single chapter. Like it had the whole skeleton of the book. And there I was being like, oh, here's like 30 more ideas I want to add in. And it was all coming from Instagram. And I had read out one sample chapter to Chris and he was like, you were trying to get way too much stuff in there. And I realized I was taking on other people's ideas. And this was just unintentionally. We all kind of do this, but I was like, man, I got to like shut out the noise so I can listen to my own inner self. And this is what I would give to you, you know, really decrease that consumption and listen on in. Another thing I changed was my podcast listening history. Um, I listened to only stuff that was really light, really funny. I, it was almost all comedy this whole last couple months. It was just only comedy podcasts, nothing serious, zero business nothing remotely close to what I was writing because I needed a break. So my seventh tip on creating is it's actually more of a little bit of a mindset tip. It's not exactly a strategic planning tip or productivity tip by any means, but you know, whenever you're building something, you're always going to have those fears in your head of like, what is so-and-so going to think? You know, what are, you know, maybe my extended family members going to think? Maybe it's my college professors, maybe my coworkers, my boss, my peers, my friends. I had to really get clear on that this book is for a specific market and not everybody's going to like it. And it really hit me towards the end that, you know, I would rather fail being my most authentic self than knowing that I was always trying to be something that I wasn't, right? 
because if the book comes out and it was written in a more buttoned up professional tone and it didn't do so well, I would beat myself up for being like, Kelly, you should have just been more yourself, you know? So this is the advice I want to give you when you're making something is really follow your own instincts and your heart and what feels true to you and the audience you want to serve. Because the jokes I put in, I knew that my people would laugh, you know, are my like extended relatives going to laugh? Maybe not. I don't know if they're in a different age bracket and don't understand my humor, probably not. And maybe they're going to think it's like weird and not very professional, but I knew that my audience would like it. And most importantly, I like it. So remember that, that you are creating for yourself and your audience. You're not creating to impress your old college professor or your boss or your coworkers. Like you got to remember that as you create and that that is truly the only way to create great work is to create work that is polarizing. One of my best friends was telling me this. She was like, Kelly, she's like truly the only brands I want to work for. She has a very successful career in tech uh, in San Francisco and um, she's just moving to a new job at Facebook. But she was like, Kelly, the best brands are always polarizing. And I really needed to hear that because there was a couple months there when I was truly trying to write for everybody. And when you try to make it for everybody, you make it for nobody. And I remember going into a chapter, I have one chapter on intuition. And I remember thinking going into this chapter, you know, what do I write for the people that don't believe in intuition? Or what do I write to the folks who, um, you know, are maybe coming from a more religious background? Like, how can I accommodate that point of view around um, intuition? Or what about the skeptics around intuition? And I was like trying to take in everybody's opinion on intuition. And I was like, Kelly, like, come on, like my, me and my audience and, and you, you know, we're all like, yeah, intuition, Kate, no big deal. Like move on. Like, keep going. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's a word in our normal everyday lexicon. And I was just, I just had to really catch myself because th that was a chapter where I really noticed me trying to please everybody and really trying to accommodate every single perspective on intuition possible and try to explain it in different terms. And I was like, I just had to catch myself and just focus on writing my book for my audience and for myself. And it's just not for everybody. And I, you know, I can't, you know, I can't take people that are like going to be skeptical about intuition and try to make them converted <laughs> into intuition believers. You know what I mean? So this is the advice I want to pass off to you when you're making something really big is focus on who it's for. Don't worry about everybody else. So my next tip for you is to have a detailed plan of what you're going to do going into the creation of your project. So for me with my book, I had a book proposal and this was the thing I had built that was like a rough sketch and outline and skeleton of my book that included all of the chapters I wanted to write about, including the titles, the order, the sequence, a little paragraph about each describing them. And I needed this document to send out to literary agents to get my agent. And then my agent would send that out to publishers, right? And that got me the publishing deal. So I had to spend some time thinking strategically before writing this book about the order of the chapters, how long each would be, what was going to go into each one, um, organizing the parts of the book. Like there's, there's four separate distinct parts and they're all a little bit different. And I had to get clear, well, which part comes first, which one comes second, what makes the best sense in a teaching perspective, going from point A to point B. So 
this document was so helpful when it came time for me writing my book because when I was tasked with hitting my word count, I literally just made, you know, 20 brand new Google Docs and I copy and pasted all the blurbs plus the title into each one. And I was like, boom, there is a starter for every single chapter. And it was really easy because whenever I was confused about what do I write, I would just look at the blurb and I was like, oh yeah, that's what I'm writing. So this is what I want to pass off to you. Before you go into making something, have a clear plan. Now, couple things here. Number one, don't spend too long making your plan because plans can be a very easy way to get distracted from actually doing the thing. So I spent seven days writing that book proposal and that was it. I only gave myself seven days. I did not take like months and months and months. I was like, this is getting started and ended in seven days. That's it. And I, I did it in seven days and I'm happy because I kind of just like got it done. You know, there's a time and a place to be all precious with stuff. And then there's a time to get stuff out the door. <laughs> so make your plan ahead of time and then move on to implementing it. Now, usually when I'm building out something very large, like a course or a membership site or a new offering, I am following somebody else's steps or footsteps or layout because I usually buy a course to learn. So when I was writing about my book proposal, I bought a course on how to make a book proposal, right? And I just followed the instructor's steps. P.S. It was Jen Sincero's course on how to make a book proposal. <laughs> no surprise. I bought her course. Um, when I was building out my membership this year, my membership is called The Mentorship, which is a bit of a tongue twister. So this is my subscription style business coaching program. And I bought a course from Stu McLaren and he walked me through the steps of what happens first, second, third, fourth, fifth. And I was just implementing. So if you can get the strategy on how to do a big thing, it's way easier. You'll save yourself so much time and money in the long run. If you pay ahead of time and get the training you need, if you're going into something that you're just sort of doing and you don't need some sort of framework or something, or you can just manage it on your own, just spend time really getting clear on a plan, right? Really getting clear on your implementation timeline, which means what you need to do and by when and how long things are going to take blocking that time off in your calendar and getting it done. But having a clear, tangible plan of what you are specifically doing on every single day and what is going where and what needs to happen in what order is so helpful. So rather than just winging it and getting frustrated halfway through, spend some time, like give yourself a week or a day or whatever time chunk you need and really think from point A to point Z, what needs to happen, what's the order, what's the layout and give yourself a map to follow. It will make it so much easier because when I got stuck, I would just go back to the book proposal and I'd be like, oh, right, that. So see, you are spending hours and hours filming a course when you don't know what to say or you get stuck or you're like, what comes next? Go back to your plan and look at it, gain the clarity and then get back to working. So tip number nine is about having the right mindset. So I was in my last week of writing my book and Chris, my partner had said something funny to me and he was like, oh, he's like, you know, he's like, you didn't really have any writer's block writing this book. He's like, you just kind of wrote it. And I was like, yeah, I don't believe in writer's block. <laughs> so I, I truly, I will not let myself believe in writer's block. And I do this very selectively with beliefs. When there is sort of a mass consciousness around something or a quote unquote belief that is very popular in society. And I actively don't want to take it on. I make a strong mental effort not to. I did this really well a couple years ago when I was looking for an apartment to rent in Vancouver and apartments can be hard to rent. And, um, I had a hard time in the beginning 
and I kind of gave up my search for a while. Um, but in the beginning I was getting rejected a lot because I was an entrepreneur and people wanted somebody with like a stable nine to five. I was like, okay, whatever. And I kept getting rejected in the early days with apartments. And then I decided, no, I'm not going to tell myself the story that it's hard to get an apartment in Vancouver and that it was really competitive. And I would show up to showings and there'd be people there. And I was like, I'm just not going to believe this story anymore. And I was like, it's easy to get an apartment in the, in Vancouver and I have no problem. And then literally like within a couple of weeks, a new listing appeared on Craigslist. I was the first person in, I got on the spot and it was done. No questions asked. No big deal. You're an entrepreneur. No big deal. It was, it was great. And I was like, this is awesome. So I chose with this book, I was like, I'm not, I'm not buying into any concept around writer's block. I know that sounds like <laughs> a little bit kind of funny because a lot of authors struggle with writer's block, but I just wouldn't let myself believe it. If I was having a hard day writing, I would just sort of get up, move around or close a laptop and I wouldn't force myself to write. But because I had such an, a tight timeline in my four months, I was like, there's no room for me to take three weeks off and not write, right? I had to write every day and I had to keep working on it. So I just choose not to believe in writer's block. I was like, I'm not having writer's block, not my problem, don't need to do that. Um, I will say that creating stuff is a true part of my genius. So it's easy for me to create stuff. If you gave me math, like if this was like some sort of like math homework, I would have math homework block for sure. Cause I would suck at it. But when you feed into stories that are popular, it just makes things harder. So maybe it's like, the story that building an online course is hard or building a business takes forever. Just choose not to believe it. That's what I do all the time. So I just chose not to have writer's block and I had no writer's block. I just got it done. So this goes into tip 10 really well and that's the power of short aggressive timelines. I love short timelines. These are truly your friend. If you are good at upholding a tr uh, like internal accountability and you can kind of set your own timelines and get things done yourself, short timelines are great. If you work with a coach and you're better with external accountability, have somebody hold you accountable with short timelines um, because you'll get it done. I find that there's something really motivating about really tight deadlines because it's like, you can't really sit on it for too long. I know for me, when I was writing the book, there were some chapters that I spent a lot of time on, but I couldn't spend too much time on them because I had a deadline, right? So it was kind of the perfect happy medium because I was like, okay, hey, Kelly, time to get your shit together, finish up this chapter. Like you can only edit so many times. You can't be all like perfectionistic about this and like make it perfect. Like we got to move on. And it was really helpful because it helped me get out of that perfectionistic rut or like trying to tweak it until it was like the best thing in the entire world. And, you know, I just was like, okay, if I have 30 chapters, not every single 30 chapter, you know, piece can be perfect. Um, so having those short deadlines are truly your friend because you're going to get it done. You won't get like caught up in your head too much about it. You'll know that you're on a tight, tight timeline. So you can't be, you know, a perfectionist. Um, and you just crank out the final product way faster. And my 11th tip for you, and then we're going to wrap it up is this one simpler is better. So I had a sticky note taped to my computer the whole time. And it says profound simplicity, profound simplicity. Whenever you're making anything, if you can make it shorter and simpler and tighter and crisper, the better, right? Especially, you know, if you're making an online course, if you can make it, you know, three hours instead of five, go for it. If you're writing a book, if you can make it like I don't know, a hundred pages instead of 200, like go for it. Um, I was contract 
contractually obligated to hit a certain word count. Otherwise, I would have made this extremely short <laughs> because that's my nature. I'd just rather get to the point and tell you. Um, I don't want to spend forever yabbering on. And anyways, my, my, my main tip for you is just make it really simple and clean and cut down. If you know, you don't have to make this super, super long sales page for your website. You don't have to make these super, super long blog posts. You don't have to make these super long podcast episodes. If you can get to your point sooner, your audience will appreciate it more. Plus it saves you time making it right. It's like a really big win-win is when you can be clear, concise, and simple. It just makes everybody's life easier. So that is tip number 11 is like simpler is way better and use the mantra of profound simplicity if you need it. I know it's really tempting to think that if you put more stuff into your creation, then it will become more valuable, but that's not true because the best masters can make stuff really simple. And when you have that high level of mastery on a subject, you can teach in a profoundly simple way. So your people and your students or your readers, you know, whatever this is, your online course students or the folks coming to your website or your blog post, they will get your point if you can make it more simple and more clear, right? And it will help everybody. It will increase consumption. People will finish your course. People will finish your sales page. People will get to the end and make progress. All right, so those are my best top tips for you on how to start big projects and how to finish them. I'm gonna give you a recap right now on everything that we talked about today. So tip number one is to task it down and don't worry about the next step until you've finished your current step. I know, very easy to want to worry about the whole project, but only focus on the first step in front of you. Number two, map it out then go implement. So create a good map of everything you're doing and then go into making the thing. Number three, batch and stay in the mental groove of what you're doing. So find some time in your calendar where you can work on your project all at once so that you can just stay really focused and dedicated on one thing versus switching your focus and attention and wearing many hats at once. Number four, know your golden hours. Know when you are most productive during the day and work during those times. And when you're not as productive, don't worry. Either do other less important tasks or schedule that time to take breaks, eat your lunch, and that'll help you feel like you're not on this, you know, productivity hamster wheel and you need to be productive every single second of the day because it's not humanly possible. Tip number five, everybody thinks it's bad right until the very end. So it truly takes time to really edit something and edit it very continuously. And all the magic is going to be in the edits. So don't worry if your creation looks bad for 80% of it. By the last, you know, 20%, you're going to start seeing a turnaround and you're going to start noticing that it's becoming really good. So don't feel like giving up in the middle of it because it's bad. Everybody's creation is very bad in the middle. Number six, really get intentional with your time. This might look like cutting down on your social media consumption or changing your podcast habits. If you find yourself giving attention and time to things that maybe aren't as important or are distracting you from your big creation, don't do them or do less of them. Tip number seven is a mindset tip, and that is knowing that it's better to just focus on the one audience you want to serve rather than trying to make it for everybody because it's impossible. So I know for me, it was remembering that I would rather fail as my most authentic self than knowing that I was always half-assing it and trying to make it this super professional thing for everybody. Um, so just remember that, that you rather fail as your true authentic self. And when you are your authentic self, you never really fail anyway. So it's kind of great. 
Number eight is have a very clear implementation plan going into your creation because it'll help you stay focused when you get distracted. Tip number nine is not believing in certain stories. For me, that was not believing in writer's block and not letting myself believe in that concept because I had a deadline to do. And this can be super helpful whenever you're trying to get something done. Don't just buy into the traditional mindsets just because they're always done like that. You can choose what you believe and it takes focus and attention and time, but it is, it is always good. And I find it just to be true in the end. Like if you believe in writer's block, you're going to have writer's block. If you don't believe in writer's block, you won't get writer's block. Number 10 is that short aggressive timelines are your friend. So always work in short chunks of time. Give yourself quick deadlines to turn stuff around and you'll find yourself actually getting it done. Number 11, the final one is that simpler is better. So you don't have to make your project or creation super big and long. Get to your point and it'll make everybody happier. Your students, your clients, and yourself. All right, my friend, and there you have it. That is the show for you today. If you enjoyed this, I would absolutely love to know. Come send me a little DM on Instagram. Take a screenshot of this, upload it to your Instagram stories and tag me in it. I always love seeing your creations and what you're building. It always warms my heart to see the cool stuff that you create. And please know that I am cheering you on in all of your endeavors. If you wanna learn more about my first published book, oh my goodness, keep, uh, keep it, keep in touch, I guess. <laughs> uh, follow me on Instagram. I'll be sharing more about the, uh, sharing more about it on the podcast, including its official name and tagline. And I'll be sharing the cover when we finalize the cover on Instagram. So just stay tuned. I am truly still working on everything. So it's just as much of a surprise to you as it is to me. So just stay in touch, stay tuned, keep following me on, on the gram. Um, if you've never said hello, please introduce yourself to me over on Instagram, send me a DM and say hi. I absolutely love connecting with you and let me know how it can support you or cheer you on in any way, shape or form. Um, and hey, if you wanna figure out what your genius is, you can take my free quiz called What's Your Genius? And that's at kellytrack.com slash genius. That's kellytrack.com slash genius. And in turn, I'm gonna give you a free report that dictates what type of genius you have what you could be selling based on your unique genius and how you could be making 10k months with it including ideas for products or offerings and um, some marketing ideas as well so i would absolutely love to help you with the free quiz out over 5,500 people have taken it and i would love if i could support you too so that's at kellytrack.com genius if you want it all right, my friends, that is everything. Thank you for listening. If you listen, if you're listening right into the end, um, special star for you. Something awesome is going to happen to you today. Um, and I'm sending you all of the high vibes and love and good vibes for whatever project you are working on. And please know that if nobody else believes in you, that I do. So thank you for listening. Thanks for being here. And I'll catch you back here soon. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening today. If you love this episode, please take a second to share it with somebody that you know needs to hear this message. And if you feel so called and so moved, please write an honest review of what you think about this podcast in iTunes and leave me some stars. That would truly help me out on my journey to helping millions and millions of people. And until next time, have a lovely day and I'm so excited to see you back here soon. <laughs>